Good morning. Let's begin with prayer. Lord God in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Amen. Okay, Judah, my boy, you got to be all ears now. You have needs all the time. This one's for you, so I'm not preaching this one again when I get home. The year is 1918. An old man with a weathered face and a beard is selling boot scrapers, and he knocks on the door of a photographer in northern Minnesota. The photographer opens the doors, and he sees that this man is hungry and thirsty and, and he cold, and so he invites him in, and he sits him down at a table and gives him a piece of bread and a cup of water. And in one smooth motion, the old man as he had done a million times before, folded his hands and began to pray over that meager meal. The photographer took a picture, and today the photograph has gone around the world and is famous. The name of the picture is Grace. Have you seen it before? It used to hang in uh, my childhood home. In fact, my parents still have it. I never understood what that picture was all about until I did a little research recently. The photographer said about this picture, um, about this man that came in, he said, this man did not have much as far as earthly goods goes, but he has much more than most people. Today we meditate on those seven words, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus told us to pray that way. He, He instructed us to pray that way. And we do. Every Sunday we say it in church and we say it in our, maybe in our homes. We say the Lord's Prayer and maybe we just blow right over that. Give us this day our daily bread without really thinking about what we're praying for. And we have to ask Jesus the question, Jesus, why do you want me to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Especially here in America, right? If you're anything like our family, if you run out of milk in the, free, in the fridge, you just go out to the garage, the other fridge, fridge number two, and you grab the milk, Right? Uh, we're, we're tripping over boxes that we bought from Sam's Club and bulk items of non-perishables. They're annoying. They're getting in our way in the pantry. We're, we're loaded in America. And, and so we're asking Jesus this question, why do you want me to pray, give us this day our daily bread? Lord, we're loaded. We're rich. The answer is this. Why pray for daily bread? Daily bread and praying for it has more to do with what we need and less to do with what we have, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, across the board, whether the pantries are full or whether they're empty. Praying for daily bread has more to do with what we need than what we have, and we all have a common need that we're praying to God for and admitting before him. Now, that opens up a whole other can of worms. What do I need, right? Um, you young men and women who are going into college, you need to get a good score on your SAT. You need to perform right now so you can get into the college that you want to get into. You need that to have a career, to have the goals that you want. Um, a, a mother who is single needs an affordable child care so that she can go back to school and get a degree that she can provide for her family for. Uh, the politician needs your vote 
If you're retired, you need that social security check to show up every month. You need that to survive. Or as John Stevens caught me on the way out, he says, it's automatic draft now, pastor. The woman on the corner needs 25 cents or whatever you can spare so that she can feed her family that day. You see that we have all these different needs. And uh, I remember my seminary president said this to a group of us. He said, ministry is an endless abyss of needs. And it's true. Everybody needs something. And there is about as many needs in this room as there are people sitting in it. And there's about as many needs in this world as there are people that inhabit it. Martin Luther tried to sum up what daily bread was, what those needs are, in his small catechism, and he wrote this. He said, daily bread consists of everything that we need for our bodily welfare, such as food and clothes, house and home. And then he goes on and lists no less than 16 other things that we need for daily bread. And then this is my favorite part, right at the end he says this. He says, good friends and loyal neighbors and the like. In other words, if he kept on going, it would turn into the large catechism because we have an endless amount of needs as a people and as individuals, we all, and they're different all over the map. And so we ask Jesus, what is it that we need? And he takes us and he draws our hearts out and he sees us for who we are and he knows our needs. And he gives us a portion of scripture today from Deuteronomy chapter 6 to test our needs versus his wants for us so that we desire the things that he knows that we need. Let's go into it. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6 on page 8 in the service folder. The notes are, you can follow along there or on the screen. This is the background. The nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, have been brought out of Egypt. They were slaves for a long time. God had promised to their forefather Abraham that they would become a great nation and that they would inhabit their own sliver of land. Well, Moses has brought them out, and they rebelled against God. Their hearts weren't beating with God's heart, and so God allowed them to, be, to um, wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and an entire generation of Hebrew people passed away until their hearts were ready and God knew that their hearts were ready for them to inherit that sliver of land between the Jordan River and Mediterranean Sea known as the promised land that he had promised Abraham years before. So they get to the doorstep of this promised land finally and Moses is giving his final sermon to the people. He's preparing them by reminding them of God's faithfulness in the past and he knows in the future that there would be trials and temptations for them to fall away from God and so he instructs them about the future. Moses is not going into the promised land. Joshua's going to take over leadership from here, and so this is his swan song. This is his final words to his people, his congregation. Now over a million people, perhaps. And this is what he says as he instructs them. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Before we get into this conversation about what we need, let's remember this. God wants to bless his people on oath. I'm not going to get into the details of that right now, but remember that, that God wants to bless his people on oath. And we heard one of the promises of God just moments ago that Jesus spoke. If you have a worry about your daily needs, if you have that feeling in your stomach, uh, uh, that anxiety For tomorrow, listen to Jesus' oath and his promise. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or soar away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than birds? 
God wants to bless his people, and you have his promise on oath. Let's keep reading. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. God allowed his people to go through thirst and hunger and desert. And it says snakes and scorpions later on in the chapter. These are the things that they encountered. He humbled them. In other words, God led them through the desert. He wasn't just behind a curtain in heaven and switching a a switch up and down randomly and saying, they're going to go in the desert 40 years and let's just see how that plays out. No, he has a purpose for their hunger and their thirst and their wandering in the wilderness. His purpose was to draw out of their hearts what was in their hearts. And at the time that he brought them out of Egypt and he saved them, their hearts were so far away from him that they set up a golden calf and they started to worship it and they wanted to go back to their slavery. That's crazy. God wanted to work on their hearts and so it says he had a purpose for their trials. And his purpose was to draw them back to him, to draw that that, that idolatry out of them and to win their trust again. And he would win their trust by allowing them to grow hungry and thirsty in the desert because he wanted to provide for them every day so that they would per, rely on him forever when they inherited the, the promised land. And so he says that. He says, um, um, I, in order to know what was in your heart, verse 3, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He put them through this test to to draw out their hearts and to win their trust. He allowed them to grow hungry. And when they grew hungry, he would send manna from heaven. And, And scholars today, we really don't know what this manna was, but it came down from heaven. Every day. And and nobody ever before had ever seen this before and Frankly, nobody really after it. We've never seen it afterwards either. It was a specific gift at a specific time, but God was teaching them that when they grew hungry, he daily would provide for them. And it wasn't what they thought they needed, but it was what he knew they needed, and that was that manna, something their ancestors had never known. And when they grow thirsty, Jesus, uh, God twice told Moses to speak to a rock, and that water would flow out, and twice he took care of their thirst. And he beat their enemies in the wilderness. And he took care of them. He provided for them day to day because he's trying to teach them not to live on bread alone, but he's trying to teach them to what? Rely on every word of God. I, I very often think to myself, what are my needs? What is it, God, that I need a day from now or, or, or a month from now or a year from now to be satisfied? But God is pulling me back and he's saying, don't think about the future. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Because I want to sustain you with daily bread today. I want to sustain you with whatever it is, the mana that I give you that day, and for you to be content with that, and I promise to bless you. There's a story that um, Thomas Edison, one of his first inventions was a vote recording machine. Uh, a vote recording machine where you could push a lever this way and it would vote one way, and, and the lever that way and it would vote another way. Now, up to this point in history, in the legislature, there was uh, only physical ballots that you would write on and then you'd submit and it would take a long and tedious process. But Edison had this great idea and so he got it patented. And after he got it patented, he went to Washington and he spoke to the chairman of the congressional committee and he said, look at this invention and how quickly you can vote. Uh, you could take care of votes really fast this way. And the, and the chairman said to him, that's 
super impressive, ingenious. But, the chairman said, filibustering and delaying the tabulation of votes is sometimes the only means by which to kill bad legislation. After that, Edison said that he never again would create something, invent something that somebody didn't need. Ingenious, but not needed. So we go to God in our prayer life, and we say to God in the Congressional Committee of Heaven, God, I need an old country spread, a select comfort bed, and shoes that are red, whatever it is that you need. Don't be surprised if God comes back with an answer. Ingenious, Dan, but not useful. Ingenious, but not useful because I'm more interested in you relying on me moment to moment and being content with what I give you because I'm more interested in a heart relationship with you than giving you an old country spread, select comfort bed, and shoes that are red. Jesus said these same words uh, that are before you, the words, man does not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He's in the desert 1,400 years later, and he's hungry. He's doing this spiritual worship with, to God called fasting. And as he's fasting and worshiping God, the devil knows that Jesus is worshiping God, and he comes to him and he says to Jesus, why don't you turn that rock over there, if you're God, into bread and feed yourself? And Jesus comes back and he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on the very words of God. In other words, Jesus is saying that's ingenious, but it's not what I'm needed. And it's not what's needed right now in my worship of God. I'm relying on his every word to sustain me and not daily bread. There's the the word every word. And that Every word is, is what we have right in front of us today. It's the every word that speaks to us and, and fulfills us and fills us up so that we have no other needs. Fast forward again to Jesus' time after these words of Moses, the great, 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 great grandchildren of the children of Israel who were wandering in the desert. They had a need. And Jesus takes their need and he turns it on them and says, this is really what God needs in your life. Jesus has just fed the 5,000, what we heard in the children's sermon this morning. He feeds the 5,000 on a a sack lunch in John chapter 6. And then after he feeds them and their stomachs are full, he goes away to the other side of the lake. Their stomachs become empty and they become hungry again. And so what do they do? They go running after Jesus and they find him on the other side of the lake. And what are they saying? I need, I need, I need more food. I'm hungry again. And Jesus says, ingenious, but... Let me tell you about what you really need. And then he says this in John chapter 6. When they ask him for a sign and they say, give us a sign like Moses in the desert, and he sent down bread from heaven, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives Life to the world. Jesus is speaking about himself. And then verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. 
I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Earlier in Isaiah, in the Old Testament, Isaiah says this in chapter 53, All we like sheep are gone astray, each one to his own way. And I recognize that you have a specific need in your life, right? You think about what that need is, if it's the grades to get into college, or if it's the social security check, or whatever it is that you're, you have that angst about. We, we, we each have the capability as sheep to go chasing that. I need to get my son in the right preschool in order for him to have a successful career in the future. I need to have the red truck to impress people. I need Whatever it is that I need, we each go our own way, and suddenly those things that we're, that we're looking after, they've led us so far away from God that that becomes the goal and the end goal of our life. Maybe it's the career. Maybe it's getting the promotion. Whatever it is that we start to seek out, we can get so far away from God in the daily bread things that we think that we need that we have left Him far behind. And let me tell you, it's bad news when you leave God far behind to chase after those needs because a life and eternity without God is called hell. But the passage in Isaiah goes on. There's a rescue from your paths that go this way and that way after needs that we think we need. It says this, But God has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so when Jesus comes to these people that are hungry and they're, 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 they're thirsting for more food physically, he says this and he comes to them and he says, I am the bread of life and whoever believes in me will never die but they're going to live forever. Do you believe that God, on oath, will bless you? Say yes. No, say yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. God blessed you on the cross of Jesus and in the empty tomb because there in the empty tomb where he rose for you, he gives you a physical life forever in heaven. The career is going to end someday. The red truck is going to get beat up and crashed someday. It's going to go away. But forgiveness and eternal life? This is the bread that Jesus says to those people that are asking for more food. He says, this is the bread that I want you to eat. And you're going to live forever in heaven. And you're going to have peace on this earth that everything else, all these other things, the old country spread and shoes that are red, they're all blessings that I'm giving you on top of it. And I promise I'm going to take care of you. The words um, keep going for Moses. He keeps preaching. He says, verse 6, Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. And that's what we want to do when we know that we have a God that has given us eternal security and that he's given us daily bread from heaven that takes care of all of our needs. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and the hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, and a land where bread will not be scarce, and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Israel would enjoy, the Hebrew people would enjoy that promise God wanted to bless them, and he's on oath, gave them this land. God, in his son Jesus, comes to you and he says, you lack nothing at all. And our brother, Don Yos, knows that right now, because he's in that land. 
where there is no need for bread anymore. And he's in that land where there's no need for water because he relies on the very word of God. And he's with God. And that's true for you too. The promise is there for you when your life is over that you are in a land where you lack absolutely nothing. And so what is bread? What is water? What is a select comfort bed and shoes that are red? They're thankful blessings from God that we just graciously say, this is icing on the cake and I'm just thankful for you first of all. That's what we're praying when we pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We're praying this prayer, dear Jesus, thank you so much for your cross. I'm so full and content that you've taken care of me by giving your blood and giving me eternal life and a peace on this earth that surpasses all understandings that I can take it or leave it if you're going to give me my wish list. Give us this day our daily bread. And so what are we going to do with this, this message from God, this daily bread from God, if it is the hope and it is that we have eternal life? We're going to do a couple, th- I'm going to challenge you to three things this week when you pray for daily bread. Number one, mix this into your prayers Pray for good Christian leaders. You know who they are. They're standing up in front of you. They're leading a service today, but they're leaders that prepare God's word. They're the chefs of the daily bread that we rely on so that we can be completely content in life. They are the ones that prepare the gospel message. They're the ones that tell you about your Savior that is risen. Pray for them to be faithful to the word of God. Pray for your connect group leaders your small group Bible study leaders, your Sunday school teachers, because they are the ones that are feeding our children. Pray for our fathers and our mothers in the home and everyone responsible for dishing up daily bread. So pray for your leaders. And if you're listening online, you know in your community who to pray for by name too. Number two, do a daily devotion. If we are actually praying to God, God, feed me and make me content completely with your gospel Give me daily bread so that I can take all these other blessings and, and look at them as gifts from you instead of needs. Then we're going to open up the Bible ourselves or a devotional book, the meditation book, and we're going to read through the, the meditation for the day and our souls are going to be fed. You eat every day and so you would also eat spiritually every day too. Feed on that gospel. And number three, learn to pray for manna. Mana. Which means, what does it mean? Mana. What is it? In other words, whatever God will give me from heaven, whatever he's given me and whatever it is that I rely on day by day, if it's what I want it to be or if it's not what I want it to be, God, you fulfill me completely and so give me whatever it is in my life that I need at this time. The photographer said about that man, he doesn't have much as far as earthly goods go But what he has is more than most people. This man is lacking something. And what he's lacking is needs. What he has is something that we have too. It's the promise that God forgives us and that his son has given us eternal life because he's the bread that comes down from heaven so that we can pray to him, give us more, give us more daily bread. And so, eat up. Amen.